Hey folks, welcome back to Two for None, your favourite cricket comedy podcast. My name is Alexander Spinks and I am joined once again by the eucalyptus Yorker himself, Ollie Crump. Welcome back again. We seem to still want to have you around. Yes, want to or need to, I'm not 100% sure, but Alex, it's a pleasure. It's always a pleasure. Oh, thanks, mate. <laughs> thanks. So, we are recording this a couple of days before we thought we were going to because this test, quote-unquote, test match against the West Indies... Lasted two and a half days. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think last episode we we settled somewhere around three and a half. It turned out to not quite make it there. It was a short one. You almost got your two day one day international that you were hoping would solve and save Test cricket. Well, here we are. Did you like yes, it? Yes, it work. My my two di my two di. It was very close. It didn't quite work the exact way that I was I was hoping. But we're getting there. We're making progress. <laughs> <laughs> I remember we were you and I were texting each other back and forth just going if Australia bowls first this will be this will be over in in two and a half three days yeah. two and a half three days and at the start of the West Indies second innings in the afternoon of day three <laughs> and they were seven for 60 thought oh yeah <laughs> this might actually only go for go for two days yeah possibly I did you think it as well that, I, that at the end of the second day I was like they'll just they'll wrap it up here I, I, I did think that, but Shamar Joseph hadn't hadn't batted yet. So yeah. I, I knew there was there was a few more runs on the board that the West Indies were going to be able to put up. The the secret, well not so secret anymore, weapon. He was amazing. Yeah, let's let's start with him. Because he, he easily was the only interesting part that came out of this test match is Australia bowls first. We are running through the order. Kirk McKenzie, he gets a uh, 50, yep. but everyone else 13, 6, 10, 13, 12, like not a lot of runs. And then the debutante comes out, number 11, willow in his hands, almost like Ahmad Jamal, who he yes. saw previously yes. on debut, take it to the Australian pace attack. And he smacks 36 off 41, second highest scorer of the entire team's innings. Yeah. Hit and was playing some amazing shots as well. It's not as if his 36 was made up of, you know, nicks and cheap little runs. He he uh, got a couple of good boundaries, nice cover drives and played- He swatted Josh Hazelwood over Cal yeah. for six. <laughs> yeah. I think I think he, he was hitting them yeah. pretty soon. Amazingly. Amazingly. What, what an absolute find for the West Indies. And hopefully- and There's nothing I love more than like, especially it's a de- it's always a de- debut bowler. It's always a debut bowler is they don't have a bat sponsorship yet. So whatever bat they use, they have to sand those stickers off the front and back. So they're not like advertising a product that they're not in a contractual relationship with. So it is just this bare white bat untouched yeah. by red splotches of a cricket ball hitting it. Because this, like this test match was Shamar Joseph's sixth first class game. Yeah. It's brand new. His highest, brand new. His uh, highest score in first class cricket was twenty one, and he just smacks Josh Hazelwood for a couple of boundaries on a brand new bat, white guard, white willow wood, unblemished, no sponsorship stickers, yeah. like in the backyard, and he's just picked up a <laughs> stick and went, "This is what I'm going to play cricket." With. Picked it, picked it straight from the tree, got the uh, got the layout, <laughs> cut it to size, he went on a pitch stuck. that favoured the bowlers. 
and took oh, him. didn't it, Just? Took him apart. Stark even bounced him and hit him flush on the grill for his measure. Like, he took a Stark bouncer to the chops mm. with a smile on his face, smacking boundaries, having the time of his life. The commentators on, you know, Triple M Radio, KO, everyone was talking about Shamar Joseph's story because he used to be, like, in his home village. They didn't have internet, apparently, until about 2018. And I heard Merv Hughes say in response to that, that sounds like Bankstown, where I currently live. <laughs> so, I think I, I identify with Shamar Joseph. But he, he was a logger, like, tree logger, scared of heights, so he stopped that. No. Then he's working as a bouncer in a supermarket, like a security guard. Yeah. And then he started playing first-class cricket within the last 12 months and- Ends up playing test match against Australia, smacking the best bowling attack in the world for 36 very quick runs. Yeah. Having the time of his life. Yeah, exactly. Almost came out and did it in the uh, in the second dig as well. Uh, 15 off 12. Obviously, not quite as much, but he took it to the bowlers. He's not afraid to do it, and it was great to watch. He was still the fourth highest scorer in yeah. West Indies second. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think he's the second highest total. Wait, really? For the whole team. I think he was the second highest run scorer for the game. Yeah, behind, for the West behind uh, Kirk McKenzie. McKenzie. He, McKenzie got 76. Yeah, he would, and, and he would have got, Joseph uh, got 48. 48. Incredible. 51. He got 51 runs. He can make it make it as a batter. Don't worry about bowling. He can make it as a, uh, as a top order batter. He should open. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> Absolutely. And then to top that off for his first day, because the West Indies were all out, you know, before tea yeah. or just after the tea break. So, Australia's come into bat. Shamar Joseph doesn't open the bowling. Steve Smith, the new opener, manages to settle. Mm -hmm. Shamar Joseph gets a cherry in his hands. First ever ball in test cricket. And Steve Smith nicks him off to second (laughs) slip. (laughs) Do you see, um, there was an interview afterwards that I can't remember who was interviewing or or who, who was interviewing him, sorry. But he was basically saying... Yeah, I kind of thought I'd get a wicket off my first ball. I told all the boys that I'd get a wicket off my first ball. <laughs> Mate, at that stage, why wouldn't he have? Yeah, right? He's already smacked the best pace attack in the world across the park. Mm. Mitchell Stark's bounced him for the pleasure. Yeah. And he's gone, no, I think I'm gonna get a I think I'm gonna get a wicket with my first ball. Does does he warrant man of the match? Does man of the player of the match, man of the match, always have to go to someone on the winning side? Invariably, because invariably one person's done better and allowed that team to win. But not always. I know Ben Stokes has won a player of the match award for getting 100 in a losing side. Yeah. I mean, Matt, look. But I think that's just because everyone loves Ben Stokes. <laughs> maybe, maybe it would kind of suck a little bit to be rewarded just after you've lost. To be like, hey, you were the best, but, you know, not good enough. <laughs> you weren't you weren't the best, but you're definitely- They should be like crowd favourite. Yes. You know, yeah. Like the, the audience choice. Yeah. Audience choice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Travis Head can be up there for his- century, only the second century we've seen this test summer. So he can have that and he can right, get his video easy gift card or blockbuster gift card or whatever <laughs> the player of the match gets. Yeah. Critics Choice gets, you know, a bottle of champers, maybe a spa weekend. You know, they've deserved it. They've entertained us a more than anyone. A spa weekend? Mate. It's like he do, he hasn't he hasn't won a raffle in like a shopping center. <laughs> yeah, but have you had a spa weekend? Not one that I've won. One that I've paid for, yeah, and it's pretty good. And how amazing. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> like, we were in the nets for an hour and a half the other week and we were sore for five days. These guys were actually playing test cricket. I think he deserves a massage and a face. Yeah, mask. I mean, I could have used a spa weekend after that um that hour long net sesh for sure. <laughs> Maybe a little bit of a mud bath. Yeah, why not? But as I said, he's he took a 
wicket with his first ball, which is phenomenal. Mm. Other people who've taken their wicket with the first ball, Nathan Lyon. Oh, yes, yes, correct. He got Kumar Sangakkara, caught it slip by Michael Clarke with his very first ball in Test cricket. Mm -hmm. In terms of other really, really, really good bowlers that have done that, there's not much else. Keith Miller did it in the 40s. Okay, cool. Not as exciting. Tom Horan. We talked about Tom Horan a few weeks ago. Oh, yeah. uh, (laughs) An Australian player. He got a wicket with his first ball. No one else. The recent ones, Nishat Masood for Afghanistan. Got it in June last year. Hardest Viljorn. I'm going to need Chris Goodrick. Sorry, who? Help. I, I'm not going to try and pronounce the South African surname again. I do it once and then Goodrick can just send me a DM and be like, okay. <laughs> All right. So Have a listen to you this. You need to work on this. <laughs> uh, Dane Pilt is another one for South Africa. That was 2014. Shaminda Aranga, the Sri Lankan uh, yeah. bowler. He got Shane Watson out with his very first ball. And then Nathan Lyon. That's it. Wow. He's- Oh, and Richard Illingworth, but he's an umpire now, so we don't like oh, him. Oh, yes. Look, he's a, he's a young guy as well. He's 24. This, this date of birth will make you feel old. 31st of August, 1999. But he's got years ahead of him. Yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> really appreciate that one. He's 10 years younger than I am. Look, when you see, when you see people that, that are born in 2000 and after, part of me does die inside and just goes, oh, that's oh, right. You're an equal member of society now and I'm becoming remember. less and less relevant. <laughs> that's why we are on a podcast so people can hear our opinions on sport. I distinctly remember watching a rugby league match, uh, my team's a Parramatta Eels yeah. playing, and they've got 5'8", Dylan Brown, a uh, young Kiwi player. He's been in that team for six years. He debuted- How old is he? 24? Yeah, there it is. <laughs> he is 24 years old. And when he debuted, I was in my late 20s. And that was the moment where I went, oh, no, all my favourite sports stars are only going to be younger than me from now yeah. on. Yeah. You've probably got a few members of the Australian cricket team left. And when they retire, every sport. I was going to say, David Warner was was there. He was helping. So, what is it? Uzi? You mean, Steve you mean, Smith is you like- You mean former Australian batter. <laughs> yeah, former Australian batter, David Warner. Steve Smith is a couple of months older than me. So, as long as Smithy's there- Claim I'm, it. I'm okay. Claim it. <laughs> I'm okay. But as soon as Smith retires, oh, the whole team's younger than me now. Yeah. But you're, you're, um, you're right last week in saying that every, every match- Time after time after time, we get ourselves into a little bit of a, a pickle and our bowlers just take it away from the opposition. And and they did again. I mean, Josh Hazelwood finished with figures of, I think, nine for 75 or something. Yeah, he was nine for. Fun fact, Josh Hazelwood has never got a 10-wicket haul. No. Not a single 10-wicket haul. He's got 11 fifers. Is that, never, is that right? Never, I know you've right. probably I've looked stats it up, in front of me, but mate. that doesn't seem right. Well, trust me, he is seventh on the all-time list for bowlers with the most wickets without ever taking a 10-wicket. Wow. Okay. First on that list is Bob Willis, cricketer who he uh, passed away a couple of years ago now, a uh, cricketer for England. Mm-hmm. He was a bowler, six foot six, pace bowler. He took 325 wickets without taking a 10-wicket haul, 16 fifers. Number two on the list, Australians populate this list quite a lot. Brett Lee. Oh, really? Brett Lee took 310 wickets, 10 fifers, not a single tenfer. Like this, to- this top seven, this top 10 are great. Absolute greats. Yeah. 
of the game. You got Bob Willis, Brett Lee, Mornay Morkel is third. Never took a tenfer. A towering South African pace bowler. Not a single tenfer. You got eight fifers, three hundred nine wickets. Wow. Number four, another South African great, Jacques Callas. Really, two hundred ninety-two wickets, five fifers, no tenfers. I mean, I guess a tenfer is just a stat that you have to overlook if you're pulling in three hundred plus wickets. You kind of have to go. You know, it doesn't matter. You were pretty good. <laughs> oh, I think it does. I think it does. You saw Pat Cummins' face the other week when he got his tenfer. He was over yeah, the bloody was. moon. He was a pretty happy little boy, wasn't he? <laughs> Guess who's after Jacques Callas? A West Indian great. Oh. Joel Garner. Oh, really? From the 80s, like, unbeatable West Indies. Yeah. 259 wickets, seven fifers, no tenfers. Wow. Next, Dizzy Gillespie. No tenfer either. Jason Gillespie, 259 wickets, a high score of 201 in test cricket. Alex, this, Eight this list is, no is ten bowling wickets. royalty. I was expecting it a get- few obscure names that, you know, I kind of go, oh, yeah, Think I may have heard of that person? No, you'll you'll know all of these. I'll just rattle off the next ones. Neil, uh, Josh Hazelwood's next. Neil Wagner from yeah, New Zealand. Yeah. Garfield Sobers from the West Indies. Darren Goff, Muhammad Shami, current Indian player. Ray Lindwall, Andrew Flintoff, Peter Siddle. Freddie Flintoff never Jack made a tenfer. No tenfers for Freddie. Wow. Ben Stokes doesn't have a tenfer. He's got 197 Test wickets. Gosh, just keeps on going. Jasper Boomer's on there, and in like 18th spot. He has doesn't have a tenfer. No one has. He's a got tenfer. 140 wickets. Nine fifers, no tenfers for Jasper at Boomerang. Damn, poor guy. I think it's pretty good company to keep. Yeah. Like, you'll you'll notice on that list there is no Mitchell Stark, Pat Cummins, or Nathan Lyon. Yes. So, <laughs> Hazelwood's the only one in our pace attack who does not have a tenfer. <laughs> Look, you never know. There's, uh, there's another test coming up next week. He can, uh, he can, he can probably rattle a few more stumps and, and jump off that list. I'm double-checking this right now, but I think what will probably upset... Josh Hazelwood the most is I think Shane Watson has a 10 for Because <laughs> I couldn't find him on that list and he, he, he did take wickets. He did, but 300? How, no, he might have 100 wickets. How many wickets did he have? Oh, he's only got 75 in tests. Oh, I take it all back. Does he have a 10 for? No, he doesn't. That's all right. <laughs> I know he took, he took nine in one test um, against South Africa, but that is as it is. But yeah, Hazelwood. He got a nine for. Yeah. And bowled brilliantly. I mean, nine, I just looked it up nine for 79. He took the first four wickets of the West Indies second innings. Mm. And quick, it was, quick succession. I think it was three wicket maidens in a row or a double wicket maiden and then another wicket maiden, then a maiden. Yeah. There was one point that he was four wickets for two runs. Which <laughs> shouldn't have let those two through. Which is pretty amazing. It's probably a fielding mistake. It couldn't be the Hoffman. No, it must have been. Old Joshy Wazelhood. Oh, Joshy Wazelhood. <laughs> For those that haven't listened to the previous episode, Ollie is an idiot. You don't- can't talk sometimes. You don't need to. The amount of um, slips and vocal mistakes I'll make on this one will be plenty. Well, you're, you're always good for a malafor which is something you've done for as long as I've known you. And there's one that I you deny ever saying. But a malaphore is when you mix up the words in a metaphor. So, <laughs> uh, a popular metaphor is we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. And a popular malaphore is we'll burn that bridge when we get to ah, it. Ah, yes. You once, or multiple times, you still deny it to this day. You used well, to- Well, wait, 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 um, wait, wait, hold up. If I'm still denying it to this day, part of me thinks that- Maybe maybe it didn't happen. 
Everyone else we know says it happened. You're the only person that denies its existence. <laughs> there oh, is the man, phrase, put me down. Silly old goat and that old chestnut. And you have said that silly old chestnut so many times. Silly old chestnut. Like, I have lost count. And I don't even know what it means. Look, <laughs> it's not making sense to me in the moment. So, I couldn't tell you. I may have had a, I may have had a bad experience with chestnuts uh, growing up. <laughs> That's all I could possibly tie it back to. Not allergy related, like just a bad experience. That's silly old chestnut. Yeah, I mean, it's it fits. Is that what I've been saying? That's what you have been saying. It feels so natural coming out of your face that I can't imagine anyone else saying. It does. It sounds right. It's one of those things when you talk and you go, it fits. <laughs> well, if the gumboot fits. Yes. <laughs> Mate, also in this test, we had Steve Smith oh. opening the batting for the first time in test cricket. And it, as we have mentioned before, didn't go great. No, it did not. He nicked off a debutant bowler, first ball he's ever bowled in test cricket. Didn't even nick it off. He smacked it to second slip. And yeah. if Abdullah Shafiq was there, Steve Smith would have got away with it. But unfortunately <laughs> for him, the fielding powerhouses of test cricket, the West Indies are on these shores. And Steve Smith had to go for 12. They work just quickly. They are great fielding, like brilliant. Long gone are obviously the days of, of stopping it with your feet on the boundary, which I think they uh, they brought to the cricketing world, but they are fantastic fielders generally all round. They are historically, I would say, yes. Yes. They have not been in recent times, but what, that's one of the benefits of T20 cricket is fielding is absolutely ridiculous nowadays. Mm. And there were some amazing stops out there, but none better than our new number four batsman, Cam Green. Yes. We've missed Cam Green in the field. I have not missed him between the sticks. However, first wicket to drop for the West Indies, Pat Cowens is bowling. It's the 10th over. Bowling it to Shanderpaul Jr. And he smacks this ball, I'm going to say conservatively, seven metres off the ground. Yeah. Like, I think the ball was seven metres off the ground as it passed. Probably Valley. 10, maybe 15 even. And the giant man mountain of meat from WA, <laughs> Cam Green, just launched himself off the deck, arms reaching to the heavens, the iron giant sh shouting Superman, <laughs> plucks it out of the air, caught. Shanderpaul's gone for six. How the hell does he do And didn't that? even look like dropping it. He's got little leather magnets in his hands because anything within his vicinity, it sticks. He's amazing. Leather magnets. Yeah, leather magnets. A magnet for leather. Like you really couldn't walk past an RM shop with him because he just walks out with 200 boots attached to his hands. <laughs> oh, uh, I just got leather magnets in my hands, man. I'm like, not fair. All those, yeah, all those, um, those anti-theft sirens are just screaming <laughs> off in Westfield as he's trying to make his way, you know, past Maccas and back out to his car. <laughs> woo, woo, woo. <laughs> but you're right. Sure, like, surely that's the next scandal that we actually find out that Cam Green's got some, like, implant in his palm that just allows a kookaburra to stick. Yeah. I'll be a bird, bird whisperer. Contrasting that is Mitch Marsh was in gully or kind of a fifth slip, fourth slip region in West Indies second innings and had a ball hit above his head, so let's say about five metres off the ground. But he didn't have to jump off the ground to reach it. He got it right in his palms. Dropped it cold. Look, I, I, I don't think it's fair to make the comparison because standalone, that was a tough chance. That would be a tough I chance disagree. for it. Cam Green would have. Yeah, Cam Green would have got it, but Cam not Green, everyone. Yeah, not everyone. Cam Green probably could have reached over with his right arm and caught it for him. I mean, if he's got leather magnets, he should have just taken it. 
<laughs> he's got the wingspan of an albatross that was kept by Thor. <laughs> like, he's humongous. <laughs> Look, we don't even need slips anymore. Like, this this is a new fielding position. You've got four men kind of at silly mid-off, silly cover on the offside, and then just Cam Green standing at third <laughs> slip, arms spread. And he'll catch everything from first slip to, uh, to point. Yeah, why not? Like, he's got the whole region covered. He should. He should be able to. I mean, he's look, he's great. He he didn't really perform with the ball or the bat. And like you touched on, Smith obviously didn't either. I, I, I'm, what I'm wondering is there, there's been scrutiny about bringing Cam Green in and pushing Smith up to opener. And the longer- Cam Green got a wicket though. He did get a wicket in the second innings. Did he? Oh, he did yeah, too. Got he did too. Sorry. He did, How dare he did get one. But look- I, what do you mean he didn't perform with the ball? ball? He bowled like six overs. Okay. I, I did. Act, and took I genuinely did forget about the wicket. Um, but batting, he didn't really you, perform. Look, assuming their performances don't absolutely. don't turn around, at what point do the selectors go, okay, let's get a specialist opener, opener in and Smith can drop back down the order or let's get Green back to Sheffield Shield and bring someone else in? Do you think that's, that's likely that's going to happen or is this just a project that's already in cement and they'll just push forward until it works. I think I think it'll take them a good twelve months before they concede any sort of defeat. That Cam Green going up to four isn't the right choice because if you're moving Smith up to open, Travis Head should go into number four. Mm-hmm. Mitch Marsh should go up to number five, and Green should stay at six. six. Yeah, because what a fragile middle order does for you in cricket is it means when you're two wickets down, you're not far away from six. You're correct. Yeah. So when Smith, like Smith and uh, Manus haven't been performing terribly, but they're still getting, averaging 30-odd. They're averaging 30-odd, which isn't great. Yes. I'm, I'm more saying if Smith averages 10 to 20 in opening, will he, will he drop back down the order? I don't think they'll do it for a year. Yeah. I really, really don't. Like, we're going to New Zealand mm-hmm. uh, in February. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's my phone pinging. I can't believe I didn't turn that off. I am not a professional. <laughs> Turns out it was me messaging. <laughs> was it? No. I was absolutely No, it wasn't. <laughs> no. So we're going to New Zealand in February, bunch of T20s, and we've got two tests over there. And like, I'm very much looking forward to that. End of February, start of March. They won't change it for that. Mm-hmm. Like, that would be insane. Then it's a bunch of short- Like, that's all the test cricket we have until- because we're the World T20 starting in June. Yeah. Then the World T20 is played. And then we go to England to play more T20 cricket because apparently they didn't watch the ODI series against India at the World <laughs> Cup and no one turned <laughs> up. No one watched it. And the only people that cared were diehard Indian, Indian fans going, see, we are the best team yeah. in the world. And everyone else is going, yeah, but where's your World Cup? So, you know, we've got two tests against New Zealand and then we don't play test cricket for eight months. Yeah. Until the... Uh, until when? Sorry, when again? India comes to Australia. Oh, really? So that's, yeah. So we've got this test against the West Indies, bunch of short form cricket, two tests against New Zealand, and then not until late 2024 do we have India. Is it India coming or is it Sri Lanka? I'm not sure. You're the, you're the stats man on this. One of them. They're coming over. Yeah, right. So there's bugger all test cricket to be played in 2024 for Australia because we need to have World Cups every yeah. year in various short yeah. terms for some ungodly reason. This all is the, the money. third T20 World Cup in four years. <laughs> it's too much. That's insane. Too much. 
So, yeah, to answer your question, they're not going to change it. They're going to stick it at this for the next three tests, and then we'll have either India or Sri Lanka come here at the end of 2024. Yep. They'll stick it out for the home summer. Yep. Then, I don't know. I don't know where to from there. No. We might have lost Kwaja by then. We might have lost a bowler by then. Possibly. Interesting with uh, Kwaja retiring hurt, getting struck at- uh... Oh, he's fine. He's been scanned. He's all good. He is? He is. <sighs> there was- all the sorry, all I'm the not sighing. Like, I'm not sighing because I hope he's. You no, 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 no. Party just kind of went. Oh, go on, bring in Renshaw. I didn't want to be. Bring him in. I anyway. didn't want to be at the expense of Kawaja, but I do want to see Renshaw. Get him in there. I think. Um, I think it was the grade cricketer again was saying that. Um, if Renshaw does come in, who comes in as thirteenth uh, man? And that's obviously Marcus Harris. Mm-hmm. So Bancroft isn't going to get a look in there. Yep. And then after Marcus Harris, there's like, oh, I'm sure there's some club cricketers that have been mm. been playing well over the last two years. So they'll probably come in uh, to the pathways then. So Cameron Bancroft is, I think, twenty places behind because yeah. Cricket Australia and McDonald are just not looking at it's it. It's a shame. He should. He should get a look in. He's he scored the runs that he needed to get a look in, but. I don't know. That's an issue for uh, for Cricket Australia to figure out. I think they have figured it out, and it's just pissed us all off. <laughs> I mean, you're probably, like they've come you're up with their answer, right. and we've all gone not good enough. Yeah. And they went, yeah, yeah well, I object. I don't like it. Well, too bad. Sorry. <laughs> well, that's gone straight up in the air. Wall won't drop. There's no way in the world. It's- oh, he's dropped it. I can't believe it. What is going on? So, Ollie, we have got a tape sent in about the West Indies test uh, from our Lord and Saviour, Creator God, Pat Cullen. For those of you who haven't listened to the podcast before, this is a part of the show where we have correspondents all around the world supporting all the different national teams in Test, T20 and ODI cricket. They watch the cricket, they record their thoughts, send it through to us. Ollie hasn't heard it before, I haven't heard it before. We listen back, try to make a few jokes and try to entertain you. So, without further ado, here we have... Pat Cullen. G'day, fellas. Big hello to the Sphinx and the Eucalyptus Gambler, the Outback Outlaw. (laughs) 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 The Eucalyptus freaking wicket taker batsman (laughs) Oliver Crump. G'day, boys. I'm going to stop Pat there. I I probably should have prefaced this tape with... Pat Cullen is currently on his honeymoon. It in, sounds like it, too. In Japan. So I think I think the the beautiful, crisp, clean winter air of Kyoto and I think about three and a half litres of sake have have definitely loosened him up, shall we say, limbered him up. I'm sure his uh, lovely new wife, Paul, is out somewhere else or out cold asleep and he's just mumbling about cricket in the corner of their hotel room. You, you can tell he's just lying on the bed as his alarm's gone off, going, you need to send a tape. He goes, oh, okay, uh, blada. <laughs> oh, g'day, eucalyptus gambler, you legend old buddy of it. He really does sound like that guy who, if you ever played, like, pub pub cricket out in the bush, is a guy who watches all the games but doesn't play. <laughs> He's just he's just there early because the pub opens early when there's cricket yeah. on the on the field next door, and he's just oh, you know, oh, no, yeah, but everyone buddy. goes morning, Daryl. Hey, morning. Yeah, boys, we got you got to hit a couple of sixes today for me, will you fellas? I got ten bucks on this one, so they let me down. <laughs> I like it, this was also a surprise tape from Pat because I did a tape for Two for None at the end of 2019 when I was on my honeymoon. I was in Vancouver for, at the time and. TK Hawkey has also recorded, I think, the day after his first child was born. 
and he's just brought it Good in man, home. that's commitment. And I, and I think Bardo also recorded this with Pat whilst Bardo was on his honeymoon and uh, during COVID. So, we're just keeping up the tradition. So, any any other of our correspondents who get married, you, you're you going to have to make a tape when you're out in your holiday. Yeah, I hope they know this is a 24-7 gig. you got to live, live and bleed like, for the podcast. No off time here. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> anyway, let's going. to Pat. To the, the drunken honeymoon man himself. It's your old mate PC here. Happy to report to you with a slightly stuffy nose from the side of Mount Shigakogan. I have a snowboard strapped to my feet. I've just caught a gondola up. I'm going to go to this big, beautiful green run um, down the side of the hill here. Back. <laughs> oh, I, I'm sorry. He's not. He's not drunk lining his hotel bed. He's up on the ski slopes. <laughs> It's the thin air which has turned him into a bloody witch. That is upsetting. It is currently 40 degrees here. <laughs> I am sweating through my ring hole listening to this guy up on the, like, Japan has some of the most gorgeous skiing slopes that I've ever It's lovely. Seen. You, were there, you were there just a couple of years ago, weren't you? I was. It was absolutely stunning. Not once while I was up there did I go... This would be a great spot to record for the podcast. Well, if PC doesn't mind, I might quickly jump onto Jetstar and see what their um, what their what their yeah, rates are for Fiji, and I'll um, I'll catch you by poolside next week. We'll we'll expense it to the podcast. <laughs> the little two for none business. Yes, trip. please. All right, back to PC. Down to um, where I can get myself a nice cold beverage, you know, in Japan. And before Spinks comes in and calls me a wimp for only doing green runs, I'm out here by myself today. A beautiful wife got a bit freaked out by the uh, the steepness of some of these hills yesterday and decided to go back and see the snow monkeys. So I'm solo bolo. I've been listening to the pod and I've just been, um, yeah, just carving some powder, fellas. It's absolutely beautiful here. But I thought I would chime in with a little tape, as is tradition on Two for None, to do a tape while you're on your honeymoon and just talk a little bit about this most recent game, this 10-wicket victory over the West Indies. Obviously slightly soured by the fact that it was in Kawaja, copped a ball in the face. Yeah, less good. Hopefully it was as okay. If, he, if he's not able to play the next game, actually might be a bit of silver lining for our mate Cameron Bancroft, who, may I say, was incredibly hard done by not getting in the side. Like... We love Steve Smith looking for a new challenge. We love Steve Smith doing everything. He's the guy. He's such a weirdo. We love him. Get him in. But I don't know, fellas. I, I don't know. I don't know. I feel, I know Spinks had a big rant about this, but I think it would be really good to give ban Bangers a chance because he's scored so many bloody runs. Meanwhile, this result was pretty much what we expected to see, right? Um, maybe for a bit there, it looked slightly competitive, which was exciting. And and the West Indies, you know, Shamar Joseph looks great. Um, five for on debut, obviously a swashbuckling 30-odd down the end of the order there, which was wonderful to watch and really exciting. Made us feel like we we're in for a bit of a game. But overall, fellas, my, my, my big takeaway, and of course, sorry, before I, I get onto my big takeaway, Josh Hazelwood taking nine for the match, bowled impeccably. The Australians caught incredibly well. You know, Travis Head hitting 119, the bin lid, what a legend. But we did all see this coming. I don't think anybody thought this series was going to be particularly competitive. And at the end, a 10 wicket victory on. We need a couple of days left to go. Um, is is a bit disappointing to be honest, and. I've, I've been thinking about this a bit. I've been thinking about this tape a bit. And I, I reckon that the ICC and the big cricketing nations, Australia, England, India, might need to think about doing a 2008 style bailout of the West Indies cricket board. Now, my, my thinking here is this, that 
some of the West Indies' best players, including uh, that big, their former captain, a bunch of other guys, chime in here, boys, do me a favour. They've all elected to go and play in T20 leagues, private T20 leagues around the globe. Jason Holder, got it. Um, Jason Holder and a couple of their other um, experienced bats have all elected to go and play in T20 leagues around the globe instead of playing in this test series. And I've got to say, I think that's really sad. I mean, it's incredibly disappointing and it's bad for test cricket. It's bad for test cricket to have games which are so lopsided. It's bad for test cricket, um, for test viewing audiences to sit back and, and watch stuff which isn't as competitive as it could be, which feels like a foregone conclusion. And I think it'd be worth the vast resources that the respective international cricket boards have throwing some money with the assumption that governance is going to be taken care of as well. Like maybe there needs to be a bit of stepping in and helping out on that front too to make sure that we can pay the West Indies players what they need to be paid so their best players come out to Australia and to other nations as well, New Zealand, South Africa, India, etc. So test cricket remains the pinnacle. So the best players from, from these countries aren't going to play T20 instead. And I think the same could be said of probably Sri Lanka, um, although I'm not sure if it's affecting them to the same extent, but we've got to make sure that the best players are playing test cricket and I think that the governing bodies of the sport need to step in to help that happen. That that little rant being said, it's great to see these, a couple of these young debutants playing so well, being so confident. But the the fall from grace for the West Indies from being, you know, the, the team we saw in the 80s and the 90s, the team that they are today is just profound. And I think that the ICC and the other major cricket boards need to step in to help make sure that um, happen, to close that gap again. Anyway, that's my that's my rant. This is a bit of a bit of a ramble, really, from me. But to be fair, I'm sat on the side of a hill, about to slide down. My bum's getting cold, so I better get up and get moving. Um, fellas, thank you so much for your work you've been doing on the pod. I've been really enjoying listening to you while I'm going up and down in the gondola, and um, I'm going to go and carve some powder. And you fellas, give us all your thoughts on that. And oh, one more thing, hey. I reckon it's pretty unfair that the Crump had to go through listening to the Eucalyptus Gambler, sorry, um, I should call him, the, out, the Outback Bushman, <laughs> had to go through listening to all of those nicknames for himself, but doesn't get to return serve. So, Crump, I think you should get in contact with Joe and um, get a whole bunch of nicknames for Spinks for next episode. And if you can't read them out, um, I'm going to get you to do a tape so you can read one out for us. And uh, I think we need a new proper nickname for the Spinks as well. Let's not let him off the hook. All right, fellas. Great work. Keep it up. Catch you later. Bye. I have so much to say on that. One. I was about to say thank you until he started talking about all those uh, nicknames that are going to come my way. I disagree. <laughs> Look, I, I initially wanted to finish that tape by going, all right, thanks for your tape, mate. Enjoy your enjoy your, uh, your slopes. Have a good time. But now I really am thankful for that tape. <laughs> it's rubbish. It also shows that he, he didn't listen to us rant enough in the last ep- episode. He, he wants us to rant a bit more because he was, he was nearly setting me off there. I, I know. <laughs> there were... A, there like, were a few points that I went, oh, Alex Alex covered this uh, in detail and I don't want to set him off again. <laughs> it's too late. The reason why India, England and Australia will not bail out these other cricket boards to help grow test cricket is because they want to keep all the bloody money for themselves and their T20 leagues outside of the one that just started in the UAE, which took a few plays out of the Big Bash in, for the finals. Like, they earn all the money. Yeah. IPL is the single greatest generator of cash 
for the BCCI that they don't have to share with anyone else because it is their domestic T20 league. They're not going to bail out Sri Lanka or West Indies. They definitely wouldn't bail out Pakistan. They're not going to help Afghanistan. They're not going to try and grow Scotland and Ireland. No, and of Netherlands. Course of course not. Zimbabwe cricket, Bangladesh cricket. Like, they're not going to do it. No. They look- they should. Of course they should, but but they're they not. I, I do. I agree so much with what Pat was saying about keeping Test cricket as the pinnacle, but I just don't know that it's that it's going to to happen because it requires some change, and you know it's pretty hard to tell someone in power, "Hey, give up some of your power." Like it would be greater for everyone if you just didn't have so much. Uh, you're getting your little anarcho-communist cap on, and I'm one, I for one, am really enjoying it. Come, come over to this side. Burn it to the ground and start just, again. Just quickly as well, I love um, Pat's, Pat's review or, or summary of Steve Smith as he boiled it down to two points. One, loves a challenge. Two, bit of a weirdo. <laughs> I think that is the nicest thing anyone could probably say about him. Like, Nathan Lyon has colourful comments about anyone. He after the test match finished, was asked about Travis Head's innings. Yeah. He's like, and his response was, he spent a hundred runs needling it and like pushing the ball around. Wasn't, you know, having the great easiest time in the middle. He he worked his way really hard to get a hundred. Then he got out slogging. What an idiot. Yeah. I think, it, what did he say as well? He goes, it's like a bowler taking, um, taking three wickets and then going, oh, actually I'm not going to bowl anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'm done. I've done my job. Thanks, guys. I'll catch you later. Imagine imagine if Nathan Lyon was in the World Cup squad because Travis had got out with, what, two runs to win? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then Maxwell came out, just hit him and took it. Imagine Nathan Lyon talking to Hedy as he's walking off the boundary rope to the rest of the team. Just idiot. Going, oh, you just thought you, idiot. thought you were done? Yeah. Like, you could have won the World Cup. Yeah. Though, instead, Glenn Maxwell won us the yeah. World Cup. You nupty. <laughs> No, but I um look, I will uh, I will take those uh, nickname suggestions on board and and see what I can come up with next week. Well, I've got something for you later in the show where that might not be necessary. Oh, but it depends on how good you are. But we will get to that then. later. Never been out in the nineties, Mark. Sorry, you say you've never been out in the nineties. Test match. He's never been out in the nineties. He's gone! He's gone! Unbelievable! So, Alex, I had the opportunity on the weekend to be a fill-in for my mate's Saturday social cricket. Unfortunately, they did actually manage to fill the numbers. I was not required, which I was pretty pretty bummed out about, to be honest. I'm sure they were ecstatic. <laughs> so, so I went and played soccer instead, also social soccer. And we were chatting briefly before this, as you know, Unfortunately, that did not end well for me. I am going to get scans tomorrow for my ankle. (laughs) (laughs) I remember you messaging me this and I went straight into like mother mode. I'm like, all right, make sure you're icing it. Make sure you strap it and elevate it. Then you said, yeah, nah, all good. And then I immediately launched into how funny this is for me. Because you can't go a 12-month period without playing a game of social soccer and ruining it. I know. It's, look, it's been an ongoing- Maybe you should give it It's been an ongoing issue um, for my my precious, precious delicate ankles over the last 10 to 15 years and year after year, I don't learn my lesson, but it got me thinking, would it have been better getting injured at soccer or, or injured at cricket? You know? Great segue. Is it, you've, you've been practicing over the week. <laughs> is it, is it better to get injured at social soccer or, or social cricket? How, how social does this cricket 
need to be. And I thought, you know what, it's it's time for a couple more cricketers of Reddit to dive into. <laughs> <laughs> to just such a to professional just, to just remind me. <laughs> so this this first one comes from uh, Legend398. Final over of the match and five runs were required, and I was the bowler to defend it. First ball, five wides. <laughs> 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 That's my kind of ball. <laughs> the second one's from uh, Astend5. I used to be a Premier League bowler and used to be quick too. Not just fast out of the hand, but a long run-up. And I mean a long run-up. That buzz is in the air when the first ball's about to be bowled, with all of us hoping for some early wickets. First ball of the day, I come steaming in at full pelt. I hit a wet patch of grass, slip and slam into the umpire. <laughs> bringing him down into a crumpling heap. The poor guy must have been about 75, just enjoying <laughs> just enjoying a day out umpiring at his local club. He tried to get up, but without luck, and required a stretcher and an ambulance to get home. <laughs> he finishes by saying, there were rumours of a broken leg and pelvis, but I cannot confirm this. Jesus. See, I don't think he slipped on a wet patch at all. I think he got a dud LBW call the ball before yeah, yeah. and went, I'm going to take this pensioner out <laughs> this, and just crash tackle. This bloke cannot see. Oh. Um, this next one's from uh, from Quiet Monkey. Oh, can you? No, let's take it back. Like, this this guy is obviously starting his run up on the boundary. Right yeah, all, all like, close to He it. goes at starting at the car park. About. Yeah, how how long is my run up? Oh, it's pretty long. Yeah, no, I've got I've got the longest run up in Summerhill eighth grade cricket. Yeah, that's what that's what I got. And he has taken a hundred and fifty meter sprint from the car park into the back of a seventy five year old umpire. <laughs> and he went, nah, slipped, bro. Nah, like everyone's like, he, what how- are you doing? And he oh, yeah, slipped, slipped, wet grass. And be like, it hasn't rained for weeks. Oh, it's pretty wet though. <laughs> No, it's a bit dewy. It's a bit dewy. Yeah, you know, like, but also with your run up, how close is he getting to the umpire? Because I, I don't know about you, but I tend to come from a wider angle. I know yeah. some people have a straight. Just to run-up. give yourself He's that run assurance. From behind, right? yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, so I don't barrel into a pensioner standing behind the sticks. <laughs> I found it quite funny. Look, this next one's from Quiet Monkey. This is quite recent, so the scars are still open. <laughs> Which I find funny that this kind of um, play and events are happening as we speak. I bowl left arm pace and was bowling to one of their best batters. Oh, sorry. By the way, Alex, I've actually edited and substituted some of the words in here. Some of the language was um, (laughs) colourful. Well, thank you for all our bedtime child yeah. listeners. You know, little 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 Timmy putting on two for none before no, he goes this, to sleep. No, this kind of language isn't appropriate for adults either. Oh, okay. Oh, I don't Look, like he continues. Ball. Now, I can get pretty fired up at times, but this batter was an absolute prick and his teammates were no better, saying some really mean things about me and my team. One of those guys you just like to punch in the face. <laughs> they were eight down and needed about 13 to win. I was bowling and bowled an absolute beauty straight through the gate and cannoned into his middle stump. Immediately, I set off running and during my celebration, I told him to get the F off and gave the dressing room the finger. (laughs) My my celebrations were unfortunately cut short as to my horror, the umpire had stuck out his arm to signal a no ball. (laughs) (laughs) 
Instant cut. To make things worse, he dispatched me for back-to-back sixes off the next two balls to win the game. What a prick. (laughs) (laughs) I think you deserve that. Yeah, I think so. Something tells me you got exactly what was coming to you. Look, I'll um, I'll wrap this up here from uh, from Azara. It's a bit of a shorter one. Brought myself on first change in a grand final, defending only 102 runs. I went for 11 off my first over, but needing wickets and having created a couple of decent chances, I tried myself again. Six, six, two, no ball, four, six, two. <laughs> None for 38 off two overs. They wrapped it up pretty quickly <laughs> from there. <laughs> I think they did. Well, thank you to everyone of Reddit for your wonderful stories keeping me entertained and make me feel a little bit better about myself as a social cricketer. <laughs> Good. Pleasure to share them. What's it got there? How has it got there? Leech has no idea. Alex, I like the funny side of cricket. That should obviously come as no surprise to you or our listeners. I like it. Could have you know, when people get ducks, when they forget gear, when unusual things happen, and it just makes me kind of giggle a bit. And the Big Bash is rife with that. You know, drop catches, people slipping at the worst possible time. It's it's high drama theatre. And there was an incident a few years ago, I'm not sure if you remember, 2017, the Renegades were playing the Strikers. Uh, Neville was keeping. Pereira was on to bowl. Brad Hodge, captain of the Strikers, swung around to leg and let go of his bat. Do you remember this? Sent, he sent it kind of barreling in the air to Neville and it struck him in the face. Yeah, he tried to kill him <laughs> yeah. on purpose, yeah. intentionally. His face his face was um, was was pretty cooked and he's obviously all fine now. It meant that the Renegades clashed with um, the Brisbane Heat a few days later. They needed to find a replacement. And who got the call? A bloke by the name of Andrew Harriet, who, who you know what's coming, made his debut on this day. Hey. <laughs> I love the theme music. That is my favourite part. Look, born on um, born on the third of May, nineteen ninety two. He was a wicketkeeper, pretty handy batter, playing for the ACT. I hate that he was born in ninety two, and you say he was a wicketkeeper. Like he's already had a career he has. and he retired, has. and he's younger. But than look, him. the um, the call up was unexpected to say the least, because at the time, Andrew was working in sales for an apparel company. <laughs> um, but their clash with the Heat was a, a must-win for the Renegades. Renegades batted first. Unfortunately, our mate Andrew was next up to bat when the 20 overs were up, meaning he didn't face a single ball. They ended on 199 runs, huge total, looking like a bit of a nothing game for Andrew, obviously keeping. But fast forward, the Heat is nine down and requires two runs to win off the final two balls. Nathan Remington bowls a terrible wide. The bat is set off for a single to try and tie it up. Andrew Harriet dives away to his right and in a swift single motion, flicks off a glove, rolls, collects it in his left and slings it to the non-striker's end. Out. Pandemonium ensues. They've won the game. They keep their final dreams alive and the Renegades win by, by one run. Poor old Andrew Harriet is obviously replaced by Neville again and never plays another professional match. Which, oh. which is so, so harsh. Um, but to Andrew, mate, your call-up was confusing. <laughs> but, but for that brief bit of high drama theatre that you provided us mortals, thank you. Happy debut day to you, sir. And to be fair to him, like, Pete Neville wasn't the most athletic wicketkeeper that we ever no. had. No. 
So I think I don't think Neville would have got that. No, right. maybe not. It was it was amazing. I found a I found a little clip of it, um, and for yeah, those brief sort of thirty five seconds, he killed it. <laughs> he he did his he did. job and was rewarded for it by never playing <laughs> big bash cricket ever again. Oh, that's yes. so cruel. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have a break. No wicket for two. All right, mate, we're, we're, we're coming to the wrap-up of the show. And now to turn the tables on your smarmy-ass grin, mm. I've got a little quiz oh, for you. no. You, you say that I am a, I'm a well of cricket knowledge, and I'm sure listeners of the pod would say that 50% of the time that is, that is correct. Yeah, but I'm not. That's the problem. <laughs> and we're about to find out. I have got four questions for you. Quick, let me ask first, are these the kind of questions that are super difficult or are these ones that people should know and I'll get wrong? Well, I think you should know two of them. Oh, no. And there's two bloody obscure ones. Perfect. So, starting- Oh, and also, we have to talk about your price because Pat said that you should get in touch with Joe and ChatGPT and feed all of my important information to ChatGPT. I'm going to try and circumvent that. I think I will. Nah, mate, if you get three of these, if you get three points, shall I say, because the last question is there's uh, multiple points up for mm-hmm. grabs. If you get three mm-hmm. points in this quiz, I will let you decide my nickname for the rest of it. The very least, your time on the pod, and I'm, pod, and I'm sure Pat Cullen will keep up Brilliant. with it into the future. I will take it a Deal? thousand percent. Awesome. All right. Let's see if you can get off. This is the easiest oh. In 1992, before you- were- <laughs> This is the easy one? This is okay. the easy one. Which absolute legend of the game was the first batter in history to be dismissed by the third umpire reviewing a run out? It is multiple choice. Oh. Is it A, Sachin Tendulkar, B, Alan Border, C, Graham Gooch, or D, the late great Martin Crow from New Zealand? Tendulkar, Border, Gooch, or Crow? Who was the first batter I- run out in 1992? All four of these batters were playing at the time, so I have not made it super okay. easy for you. I I don't know whether whether I've heard this recently or whether I've seen the clip or or something. But as soon as you read those names out, I went. My first gut instinct was Sachin Tendulkar, and then I went, well, I don't know that. It could be anyone. <laughs> <laughs> so so to be honest. That's all I'm going off, and I'm just hoping that my gut is right. I'm going to go Tendulkar. Correct. Yes. Yes. I am. I am. It was yes. Sachin. It was 1992. It was India's first tour of South Africa. This was South Africa's first comeback to Test cricket after they were banned from playing international sports because of apartheid and all sorts uh, of yes. horrible things. But it was India's tour of South Africa. It was in Durban. Sachin Tendulkar trying to take a cheeky single. Third umpire review. Got. Brilliant. Okay. One from right. one. One from one. This one, you should be able to get mm-hmm. this, but I don't think you will. Can you name four of the, I think about 15 bowlers who have more ODI wickets than Shane Warne? Shane Warne got 293 ODI wickets. Mm-hmm. There's about a dozen bowlers above him. Name four. That have got more than Shane Warne. Absolutely. And it's ODIs, so it's, you know, last 40 years of, of cricket. 50 years. Okay. Let's go 
Morally? Absolutely. Tops the list with 534. Um, you get, I'll, I'll let you get one wrong. If you name one wrong- I'm going to go- um, shot. Brett Lee, I'm fairly confident on. No? Yeah, I'm going to- Let's go Brett Lee. Absolutely. Brett Lee's in there with 380. Amazing. Uh, look, let's go same time. Glenn McGrath. Although I'm less confident on Glenn McGrath. Let's you, go Glenn McGrath. In? Glenn McGrath's in there with yes. 381. And- that, you've run out of Australian bowlers. On yeah, the I know. That's what I'm worried about. <laughs> <laughs> Let's- Oh, Malinga. Slinger Malinga. Lasseth Malinga? No, no. In there with 338. <laughs> yes. No, first name, Slinger. Mr. Slinger Malinga. Oh, Slinger. Slinger Lasseth Malinga. I'm pretty sure his first name does start with S. I, I don't think that's a terrible Brilliant. shout. Yeah, absolutely. You nailed it. Murali's there with 534. And then it's Wasim Akram, Waka Yunus, Chaminda Vaas, Shahid Afridi, Sean Pollock, the South African captain and all-rounder, Glenn McGrath, Brett Lee, Slinger Malinga, Anil Kumble, Sunath Jayasuriya, who was one of my favourite players yep. growing up for Sri Lanka, and Daniel Vittori, wow. the New Zealand captain and spin bowler, who's currently the spin bowling coach for Australia. Wow. There you go. Well, so you have got two points. All right, on to- uh, You are one point away <laughs> from being able to give me a horrible nickname. I'm so excited. <laughs> are you ready for your next I, question? I think so, yeah. Hit me up. I'm really regretting this now. I, I really thought the bowlers had stump yet. Playing against England in Chennai, India's Bapu Nadkani holds the record for the most consecutive maidens bowled in test cricket. How many did he bowl? It is multiple choice. Okay. Did he bowl 11? 15, 18, or 21? So, this is India against England in a test. In the sixth, <laughs> most maidens bowled in a row. 11, 15, 18, or 21? I mean, it's essentially, it's essentially multiple choice because I'm not going to lie. Well, I it don't is know. multiple choice because I gave you four choices. <laughs> no, in that, in that it's a complete lucky guess. And what are they saying in school? If you don't know, go see. So, I'm going to go see. <laughs> 18. There's a reason why that's not a good thing to do during school exams, because it was 21. <gasps> oh, wow. 21? He bowled, he bowled 26 maidens for the innings and 21 of them on the track. That is incredible. Amazing figures. I think they still have. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, mate. Last but not least, this one. It's a number that you're going to have to get either on the dot. <laughs> if you do that, you get a million points and I'll have to do something outrageous on top of this. If you get this bang on, you're a okay. genius. If you get it within uh, five, you get two points. Yep. Or within 10, one point. So, you only need to get it within okay. 10 oh. to be able to pick- Okay, perfect. <laughs> so, relatively recently, Jasper Bumrah- in 2022, took the record for scoring the most runs off a single over in Test cricket, smacking Australia's villain of Test cricket, Stuart Broad, for 35 runs, mm -hmm. although Broad contributed with four wides and a four-run <laughs> yep. ball. So, 35 runs is the record for Test cricket. In first-class cricket, in a Shell Trophy match in New Zealand, Wellington is playing Canterbury, the last game of the season. Wellington needed a win to guarantee that they won the Shell Trophy that season. A draw would allow them to win if other teams didn't mm -hmm. win. The penultimate over of that game has the record for the most runs off a single over in first-class cricket ever. How many runs were scored? Oh, 
All you need is to get it within 10. Okay. I think I can play this kind of uh, cleverly instead of just having a stab. It's probably 36, but there may be some no balls and some wides and some extras in there as well. So if I've got 10, I'm going to say 46. Is it is it a within ten? So it's bet- so if I say forty six, it can be somewhere between thirty six and fifty six. Yeah, that that's your range. Go on, lock it in, Eddie. Yeah, 46. please. You absolute failure. No. You are over thirty runs away <laughs> no, from the record. You're kidding. The most runs you're kidding. On the first class over is seventy seven. <laughs> 77. Like, I, I need to talk you through what happened because this is just insane. So, it's a first-class game. Wellington needs to win. <laughs> it's the second last over of the game. Canterbury are eight wickets down and they seem quite happy playing the draw because <laughs> yes. Wellington could still win the trophy off a draw, but they, they want the win to guarantee it. So, Canterbury's just trying to spoil the party. Yeah. Right? Second last over, eight wickets down. They needed something like- 95 runs to win. So, Canterbury were no Yes. So, the captain of Wellington went to uh, a senior bowler of theirs. He was- This was his last game. He was retiring. A bloke by the name of Bert Vance. He was retiring. He didn't need great figures. So, they thought the best way for them to try and get wickets was to bowl some extras, some sundries at them. Oh. So, you still had six legal balls in an over to bowl and get them a lot closer to the score, just to dangle the carrot in front of Canterbury to get them to win. He proceeded to bowl two metre high full tosses from three metres over the crease, wides that were going past fourth (laughs) slip. In his first 18 deliveries, only the second ball was legal. (laughs) Just- Ball after ball after ball after ball after ball. No ball, no ball, wide, wide, no ball, no ball, wide, wide, wide. Until a Canterbury only needed about 15 to... Yeah. Win. They began the last over on 196. So, they... <laughs> 196 for eight with German, the batter, had raced up to 75 not out <laughs> in the space of one over. And he'd just come to the crew. <laughs> On the last ball of the over, he brought up his century. Yes. What? This- and then Sorry, I'm the just adding the that. This is ludicrous, this match. It's insane. The, the Wellington captain recalled, Bert overdid it somewhat. <laughs> Every time the batter, like, bowls a no ball, batter smacks it to the boundary. The fielders don't even try and stop it. Like, it would have been the most ludicrous yeah. uh, scenario. And- in the end, only five legal deliveries were bowled because the umpire was so confused and could not keep track of what was happening that only five legal deliveries were bowled. And he went, yeah, done. Over. I'm done. Yeah. See you later. I'm done. The, the scoreboard operators at the ground were constantly having to like add to the extras column, <laughs> to the no balls column, to the batter's total, to the bowler's total because it just- It's been a nightmare for Four them. or five, Absolute every nightmare. single ball. So, in the end, they needed, I think it was 18 to win. In the last over, f- the first five balls went for 17. Oh. Scores were oh. level. No one knew. No one was paying attention. Wellington didn't know. Canterbury didn't know. And so their batter blocked the last ball of the innings to maintain the No. Ball. 
And in the end, because uh, Auckland lost their game, Wellington won the trophy. Oh, God. <laughs> After all that, they didn't need to do it. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. That is, that's, that is so, actually amazing. This is, this is how the, <laughs> the 77 run over went. Zero, no ball. Four, legal delivery. Four, no ball. Four, no ball. Six, no ball. Six, no ball. Four, no ball. Six, no ball. One wide. Four, no ball. One wide. Zero wide. Uh, zero, no ball. Six, 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 no ball. Dot, legal delivery. Dot, legal delivery. Four wides. Zero, d- legal delivery. One, legal delivery. Wow. And so the legal deliveries went for four, zero, 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 and one. <laughs> and they left the six one off because everyone was tired. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is fantastic. Alex, thank you so much for that. I, I do have to admit, I might have to go and plead to my superiors and see whether I can um, come up with a nickname after all. But for the purposes of this <laughs> conversation right now, I didn't win. You're the best. Fantastic. See ya. <laughs> thank you kindly. You can try and give me a nickname, but I do not have to abide by any laws that says I have to use it. Uh, we'll see what I can muster up. <laughs> All right, mate, that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you very much for joining me again. You've been an absolute superstar over this Australian Test summer. Pat is a big fan of yours. I think you're all right. Mate, any last parting words before we leave, before we head off, watch the next test against Australian West Indies for about one and a half days and then probably start recording by- Before we drive into the sunset. No, look, I'm hoping for a a bit more of a competitive affair. I want to see Joseph come out and- um, and put on a good show and uh, and just some nice competitive cricket. But, mate, thank you so much for having me. Thanks to um, to Pat and, um, yeah, hopefully see you on the next one or, um, or you'll be seeing a nickname. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, I cannot wait. I'm going to be so excited. All right, everyone, that is that from us. We will be back after the next test against Australia and the West Indies. Until then, stay champions, continue to be legends, and, Ollie, follow me if you know the words. Go those Aussies! Go those Aussies! Bananas created by Patrick Cullen and Chris Barty. This episode presented by Alex Spinks and Oliver Crump featuring Pat Cullen. The episode was produced by Patrick Cullen at Ginger Snap Productions and edited by Mike Wilcox of Midnight Publishing. Featured clips and music this episode include cricket coverage from Channel 9 Wide World Sports, Cool Daddy Charm Sucker Punch and Cougar Crazy by Orchestra Heinz Hodder 2019 Extreme Music and Mr. Lucky by Carl Jenkins 1980 to Wolf Music Limited. All music used in conjunction with APRA AMCOS online mini license. Contact APRA.com.au for more details. You can check us out at gingersnapsydney.com. Make sure you like, rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, share on socials, and get the world out that Tim for None is a bloody great podcast, we swear. We will be back after the next test against the West Indies with a full wrap-up of the Australian Test Summer. And in the meantime, go those Aussies!